beginning. Welcome to the Grief Dreams Podcast. My name is Sean Ram, and we have a special episode for you today. It's uh, our Father's Day episode, and it seems like a tradition because we have Darwin and Dave on again, uh, just like last year, uh, as well as Joshua Black, as usual. So this is going to be an interesting type of episode, a little interesting format. Uh, I will be asking major- most of the questions and kind of uh, asking both of them because both of them gone through some grief in their life. They both lost fathers, and I think it's something that uh, we're going to learn from and also the audience can enjoy. So check it out. Um, amazing person in our lives on the podcast. You know, he has his own show, uh, dealing with my grief, and uh, we've had on, had him on a, a few times, not just to interview him, but also as a co-host. Uh, Darwin, I'll say hi to you first. How are you? I'm fine. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to do this today. Awesome. Uh, Joshua, how are you feeling today? <laughs> I'm feeling good, Sean. Thanks for having me on. It's going to be a great episode. So this episode, we want to talk about fathers. We want to talk about Father's Day and you know what better than to have these two gentlemen with us uh, alongside me to do this. And uh, the main thing, obviously, is we love to talk about grief and dreams on this podcast. And these are two individuals who have gone through their grief and are currently on their grief journey. Um, so wanted to get a little bit of background if you don't know Joshua Black and his story and how his father passed away. Uh, Josh, can you let the audience know? Yeah, so it was about 10 years ago, uh, I experienced uh, the death of my father, and it was very sudden. I, uh, we were supposed to go to a hockey game, and he just never called. It was a no-show. And uh, about two days later after that, I got a phone call saying that they had a bus down his door, and he was found dead in the washroom. And so that that's more or less the story. And so I never got a chance to say goodbye to him um, or anything. It was just very... It was very unexpected and it really shook me to my core how old were you again 10 years ago so your father passed away when you were 24 what was it like during that time going through that i mean we've talked about it a lot but um that was a, a obviously a big shock in your life yeah it was uh it's a very difficult the first person i ever really cared about that died and just the our relationship it was very very crazy in the beginning of our lives, but in the last probably two years there, we became, you know, close friends. And so I think that has a huge impact on my grief. And then it was, you know, the first three months were just a, a, a daze. And then I had that, my first grief dream and that changed everything. Wow. And, and, you know, as the story goes, you kind of dove headfirst into grief, obviously, but it also changed the course of your life, changed the course of your career. Um, you know, we've heard it before where you wanted to be a math teacher and, you know, you kind of put that to the side and you totally don't even acknowledge that anymore. Maybe you'll be a math teacher someday. I don't know. No. Okay. Shaking his head. (laughs) But, you know, it gave you something else, some, a new direction in life. And here you are almost completing your PhD in psychology, but grief and dreams is your main focus. It's amazing. (laughs) It's amazing. But, uh, you know, we'll get into a little bit more of your loss. Um, Darwin, can you let our listeners know? We had you on, on one of our episodes, podcast, talking about your loss. A uh, very tragic story for some people to hear. You know, you've obviously dealt with it your whole life, but can you talk to us about your father's death? Yeah, sure. Um, uh, like Joshua, my father's death was sudden. Um, my parents owned a convenience store uh, when I was a child, 
And one night, matter of fact, the night before my parents' 14th wedding anniversary, my father was shot and killed in a robbery attempt uh, in that convenience store. So uh, for me, it was difficult because myself and my mom were literally first responders. So after the alarm went off at the store, um, we went and we actually discovered him um, basically lying in a pool of his own blood behind the counter. Everybody's, you know, story is unique and, and different. And um, just hearing your story, I mean, how you tell it, you know, when we did our, our hour long episode, you know, just powerful and, and a lot of different mixed emotions and feelings that go along with that. How, my next question for both of you is I wanted to kind of look at the past a little bit, look at your relationship with your fathers. And I wanted to bring out some of the good memories that stuck out. So I'm going to ask both of you at the same time. We'll start with Darwin first because we started with Josh last time. So Darwin, can you talk to us, tell the audience of some memories that stick out to you, some positive ones that you know you carry with you? Uh, yeah. Well, my father worked a lot. I'm, um, I shouldn't uh, a lot is an overstatement. He worked all the time, <laughs> but uh, he did on a few occasions have the opportunity to come and watch me play football. And I'll be up front. I was never really very good, especially as a kid uh, playing football. But on one occasion, I do remember that uh, I made three tackles in one football game. And they just so happened to have people that were there announcing the game. And to hear my name called and to see him smile as my name was called uh, is something that always sticks out in my mind. And it was I was just grateful, one, like I said, that he was able to attend a few of the games that he could. But it was ever so special to feel as if I was making him proud by actually playing well when he was there. That's an amazing story. I can see that right now. How old were you when when you were playing? Um, this would have been. I was eight, nine years old. Oh man, that's so cool. And what position did you end up? Were you playing in football? Oh gosh. Defensive man. side, obviously. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I was actually, well, no, yeah. Oh, right. I was I'm trying to think what position did I play? I was small then. I was a linebacker. Uh, that's what, nice. yeah. I was a middle linebacker. I middle linebacker. I played in high school. That's pretty cool. And that's, man, just going through that, it's so important you know, for kids who are playing those sports to see, you know, people they love around them, you know, whether if they don't have parents and, you know, brother or sister, or, you know, loved one. Uh, but yeah, especially parents, grandparents. I remember as a kid playing soccer, playing basketball, and always, it was always, I felt like I, I definitely played a little harder, but <laughs> there was always like, you know, you always hope that, you know, your parents are there, they end up catching the game or they're watching. So I'm really happy that you ended up, that you got to have that memory. Um, do you guys remember anything after the game? Do you guys do anything special? Yeah, um, he would always have to sort of get back to work after the games were over. But the one thing that we did do was we went to Dairy Queen, which is um, an ice cream parlor. So oh, we would always go get ice cream after the games. And that was win or lose. It didn't matter. That was just our little special time together that we would spend before you'd have to get back to work. Man, yeah, oh, I totally. That brings back memories in my child, my childhood as well. Uh, so, Joshua, let's uh, talk to you about this. What are some memories that stuck in your head that currently have in your head that you bring with you? 
It's interesting because there's, you know, there's so many that, you know, which one do I want to share? And I'll, I'll share one as a child. My mom was in the hospital for a long time because she had heart issues. And I used to, since I wasn't in school yet, he would always, um, me and him would go and visit her in the hospital. And so it was like our, I guess our time together because I have three other siblings. So alone time with my father would be very difficult to, to have. So um, that sort of flashes in my mind and I can sort of hear him either playing like Bob Dylan on because we had like uh, cassette players way back then, right? So Bob Dylan or he always had this uh, Ronnie Dangerfield stand-up comedy cassette tape that he always listened to. So, you know, just, you know, that's probably one of the, the great moments of, you know, him bringing, him bringing me to my mom and for us having to have that time together. And I remember my grand, I don't, I don't remember this. My grandma says the one time coming back from there, we, we went to her house and I was getting out of the car and he was so frustrated with me. And, and he said, and the reason why I was frustrated with him, because I kept asking why, you know, like, I don't know if it's like, why is she in the hospital or something? But then uh, he said, this is just how the world works, Joshua. <laughs> He's like, he couldn't give me a straight answer, right? Um, and so it was just really, really funny looking back on that. Because I still have that sort of persona in me of, you know, wanting to find answers and wanting to sort of think a little more clearly. Like, I, I don't accept, like, answers that I don't, you know, um, I don't really get. Like, there's got to be a, another reason for all this or something. And then he just couldn't give me that. So I think it's kind of funny. That's another beautiful but simple thought, you know, riding with your father, you know, getting some alone time. Uh, Darwin, you've talked about that before. You know, your dad, uh, he worked in stores, convenience stores, and and he would, you know, go places in his van and you'd go along with him. And, you know, just uh, just the simple but peaceful moments when you can kind of have a quiet one-on-one with your father means something special. Yeah, yeah, it does. Um, I, they, when we talked about, or when I just pulled up that last memory about playing football, we did have a lot of special moments together. But I just wanted to, you know, just share something that wasn't really work related. I mean, I think he went out of his way to make sure that I knew that there was more to life than just work. That's something that you know our parents uh, try to do, right? They try to protect us earlier on, not really expose us very early to kind of the rigors of life. And even if they're busy, even if they're working a ton of hours, you know, they they kind of they put a smile on their face and maybe they take you out to Dairy Queen or maybe they come see your game or maybe they take you to a water park. And that's a beauty of, of a parent, you know, to be able to foster you, shelter you and give you that safe space to grow uh, as an individual. So when you are ready to deal with those rigors of work, you know, you you're ready. Awesome. So moving on, uh, I wanted to throw out a little bit of a hypothetical question to both of you. We'll start with Joshua. So I had this question in my head where if you could go back and talk to uh, a younger version of yourself before your father passed away, uh, what would that conversation look like? Well, I'll probably go up to myself and say, hey, watch out for this guy named Sean Ram. He's going to want to start a podcast. Do it. (laughs) (laughs) Stay away. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, looking actually more seriously, if I was able to travel back in time, and you know see myself i probably wouldn't tell who tell the person who i am and i would just ask about memories that he has as a child just because i don't remember a lot as you know like i shared that one memory but i don't have a lot of memories because my dad was very uh was he was like a tyrant Uh, and so a lot of the memories that 
or a lot of my early childhood, I just don't remember. So it'd be interesting to sort of see what actually my life was as a child and what I what I recalled and what I saw that was fun. Um, but I don't have that. And so I was just sort of talking about that because in the end, you know, I don't want to also, you know, I've seen the butterfly effect. I don't want to like shift where I'm going to be because I love where I am right now. And I love sort of where everything's heading for me. So I don't want to change that. So that's why I would just ask about his memories because I know that wouldn't change anything in the future. Interesting. Would you, would you, was there, are there any tips you might give possibly or no, you don't want to, you don't want to mess it. No. You think you like the, the challenges and, and, you know, the journey that you've had to face that's made you who you are. Very interesting. Uh, Darwin, Darwin, same question. If you, yeah, yeah, I would, I would tell my 10 year old self looking back to just be open to anyone who wanted to embrace you and to help you through some of life's struggles and challenges. One of the issues that I recognized that I had, uh, and this was probably maybe 20 years ago, is that I shut out a lot of people who wanted to help me after my father passed. And it was one of those things where they weren't the individual that was supposed to be teaching me specific life lessons that was supposed to be my father. I think that, and then part of it too, being 10 when my father died, I was already at a point where, you know, three years away from being a teenager and just being in that rebellious stage where you probably didn't want to listen to many adults anyway, I just sort of shut a lot of people out. Uh, not to say that I used them, but it was one of those things where I would only talk to you or deal with you if I needed to talk to you or deal with you. So it was always a one-sided thing. If I want to have any inter in, any interaction with you, I'm going to be the one that initiates that. Uh, outside of that, you know, don't call me, don't offer me any help, don't offer me any assistance. You know, I I'll try to do things on my own. And I realized, looking back, that that was the entirely wrong approach. So yeah, I, I would be more receptive to allowing people who wanted to help me help me. And is that is that kind of you trying to protect yourself? Well, maybe creating a little bit of a bubble for yourself so that you know people don't come in there without your permission, kind of, and hurt you. Well, I, you know, I knew that those people weren't going to hurt me. And, and the two people I'm speaking of now is my grandfather and um, my uncle. So that was my mother's father and my father's brother. And there was, you know, not a bad bone in their bodies. They had always looked out for me. And I hadn't been particularly close with my uncle before my father died. But after my father died, you know, he was really present and just wanted to make sure that I had everything that I needed. I think it was more of just like a, a comfort thing for me. It, it was one of those things where I just really missed my father. And that was supposed to be an interaction that the two of us had. And it was almost like, I, I don't know what it's like to be a stepchild, but it would almost be like if my mother had gotten married again to someone and I had a stepfather, that that person trying to tell me something wouldn't have the same effect as my father telling me the, the exact same thing, if that makes any sense. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's difficult. You know, you're, you're a young adult. You know, I, sorry, you're, you're still a child going into uh, kind of the teen years. 
trying to figure this out along with you know what's going on in the world and you know as a, as a as a preteen and and whatnot. So that's that's interesting because it leads into the next one where next question where I wanted to talk about your present state and I wanted to talk about both you and your and the tools that you've kind of gathered along the way being on this grief journey. There's a lot of emotional times, you know, there's a lot of situations where both of you have probably felt overwhelmed. Uh, maybe holidays bring that up, maybe uh, just certain triggers. Uh, what are some tools both of you have kind of developed and carry with you that have helped in dealing with your grief? We'll start with you, Joshua. Well, one thing, there's a lot of things, but the uh, the one thing that uh, I really learned was to give yourself permission to cry. And that was something that after my father died, it was the first time I cried in forever. And I only cried, I think the first, maybe the first day or two, right when I, I heard about it. After that, I didn't. And then it was only after my mom went to the hospital again that I cried again. And then I realized it was about, I think, two years from that moment. And the tears were just like acid. And so that's when I realized that I wasn't giving myself permission to, to feel sad, to feel, to really go in the, those deep stages of, of grief where you can just, you know, completely just let go. And so that's one thing I've, I've learned and carried along with me is to be able to let go and to feel those emotions when they come up, but you don't need to stay in them. It's like you feel them out and then they'll stop on their own and then get back to whatever you're doing. But, you know, give yourself permission to feel emotions. That's a great point. I like that, you know, giving yourself permission to kind of feel those feelings and, and not feeling like you shouldn't or you're not allowed to or, or it's not going to help you. And also, you know, what you said with crying, uh, I think as um, individuals in society, sometimes we look at it as a, maybe a negative thing, but, you know, you felt it firsthand in your body, uh, kind of what it did to you. So, And I also realized, too, once I was able to cry and give myself permission to feel sad, I actually felt more joy. So I think where I was, it was like in the middle of emotions, I was keeping myself there. But because I wasn't, I was restricting myself to feel sadness, I was also indirectly, I think, restricting myself to feel the joy. So I think there's a, a relationship there. Good point. Thank you. Darwin, what about you? What are some tools that you've picked up along the way to kind of help you during those uh, overwhelming times? Well, you know, it's funny that Joshua would say giving himself permission to cry because that's one of the things that I've done. And it's sort of weird uh, with on a podcast with three gentlemen that were talking about crying. Maybe that's a new podcast, Men Who Cry. But uh, I, for me, it, it's been not only the ability to embrace what people have told you historically that you shouldn't do, but also music, believe it or not. I find that even if I'm not sad, if I listen to songs that are typically sad songs, before I get to that point of being sad, that that usually helps me. But then also, too, I try to tell myself whenever I go to or get ready to go to uh, a deep, dark place in my sadness, is that really, even though I've been through what I've been through, it really isn't that bad. And, and I say that only because I know people that I grew up with whose parents were divorced and they would sit out and wait for their fathers to come pick them up and dad would never show up. So I am thankful that I was never put in that position. I know why my father is not here and, and I don't even know what I'd be going through or dealing with if I had to answer the question, you know, what did I do that my father didn't love me enough to come see me? 
That's pretty cool. That's interesting. That's like a, you know, you're consciously shifting that perspective to kind of look outside, look through, look into society, look outward a little bit. And there's nothing wrong with that. You know, just perspective is a big thing for all of us. And I think sometimes you know, we get locked into our own brain and, and the emotions that overwhelm us, like a volcano spurting up. And, and you know that, you know that part of yourself, but sometimes it's it's okay and it's it might be helpful to kind of shift a little bit and say well i wonder you know people around me you know what what's their what their lives kind of you know how they look in terms of my lens and, and whatnot so very interesting tool and i think that that's very helpful the question that i have next uh, it's still related to your present and what i wanted to ask was what's the state of your current grief what's the state of your current grief journey We'll start with Joshua. <laughs> That's a tough question because I don't know. It's like I, like, I don't know. I'm 10 years in, you know, <laughs> like, what can I say beyond that? Um, just because it's a, it's a lifelong journey. It's not like I'm at the end or at the beginning or midway through. It's just like, it's a journey. It's just like my life is asking me, you know, it's just, it's a weird, it's a weird question for me to answer. I don't know, Darwin, can you answer something better than that? Uh, yeah. Um, and I think it goes back to, uh, Sean, I would say where one is as far as the status of their life. So being a little bit older than Joshua, I have experienced having children. So I've, I've gone through, you know, the birth of a child and dad's not here. High school graduation and dad's not here. And those types of things. So I've experienced those. So for me, I would say I've almost come full circle. I tell most people that I openly give myself the week that my dad died to grieve pretty much anywhere between April 10th, which was my father's birthday, and April 25th, which is my parents' wedding anniversary, and my father died on the 24th. So that that whole week and a half sort of has a special meaning for me. So I openly give myself that time to grieve. And the sting of things like Father's Day and other holidays have lessened considerably over the last couple of years. And and to be fully transparent, my father died 40 years ago when I was 10. So for me, those two weeks, or that week and a half, I should say, still hurts. And on occasions, if I have a conversation with my mom and we talk about something specific, those times are happy. But then, you know, I'm going to reflect on some things that took place. And I might get a little sad. It's nothing like it used to be. And it's something that literally only lasts for a number of minutes. But I, I, I've, I have, as the name of my podcast states, I've actually learned to deal with it. And it stings even less now that having met you guys, what, almost, well, man, as I look back at my first email from Joshua, that was back in, what, November of 2016. So we're coming up on like a year and a half. But ever since I met you guys and some other people, who are in this space that are trying to help other people, the fact that there are now communities that are building up, that are talking about this, believe it or not, has lessened the pain because talking about it every day now, memories that I have with my father, helping other people get through whatever it is they're going through at whatever stage they're in, that has really helped me a lot in knowing that one, I'm not the only person out here going through what I'm going through, but two, I'm actually able to help people based on my experience. Okay, that's interesting. So yeah, so if you're looking at your grief journey as the emotional upsurges of 
you know, I guess sadness. Yeah, mine has also like decreased significantly. But I think, you know, once I graduate, I think that that's going to be a, a trigger for me because this whole seven years or eight years in this post-grad uh, and studying these dreams it was all because of my father. And I think even like, even though it started because of him, it's going to be weird for him not to be there physically. Like once I actually do graduate, I think that I'll have a lot of emotion at that moment. But you've went through some of that stuff with your son and stuff. So I think that's interesting as these monumental moments happen, that's when you reflect even more so on, on the loss. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Awesome. That leads into my next question, actually, which maybe you can answer a little better, Joshua, is how do you see your relationship with your father in the future in terms of a continuing bond? I'd like to know more about him. I'd, I'd like to sort of ask more questions about who he is and to find out more of who he was as a, I guess, as a child and teenager. Then I can better understand who he was and that'll strengthen the relationship a bit. But other than that, I think it's remained the same. And I just think continue to to grow in this journey with them. That's interesting. And and that, that alludes to the point that your bond can develop. Mm-hmm. You know? So th- I think a lot of people maybe don't see that or maybe aren't aware of that or, or just haven't looked into that and just don't feel that. But, you know, it's you've seen it. You know, you've seen that. Uh, you've talked to individuals who have continued that bond and uh, feel positive about that. So we'll, we'll ask you that same question, Darwin. In the future, how do you see your relationship with your father in in a continuing bond type of way? Well, you know what? To be completely honest and totally transparent, I'm afraid of the future. And I I say that because the one thing that drives me are memories of of my father. And the only person that I feel that I can talk to and get a true perspective on who he was and what he was about uh, now that most of or almost all of his siblings now are also deceased would be my mother. And not that, you know, my mother is deathly ill or anything, but I just think about the day that she's not here and we're not able to share our stories about him because that's where I still reflect and think about a lot of the memories of him is when I talk to her. So I, I'm almost afraid of the day that she's not going to be around anymore because it's almost like I'm losing my father a second time, if that makes any sense. So as long as she's here in the future, I'm going to be okay. But being able to talk about him the way that I do now, it's going to be completely different when she's not here. So I I said I was afraid of the future, but, but that's just one of the things that's starting to now creep up in the back of my mind. Very interesting. Yeah, I, I think I can see that a lot. Like, I mean, especially when two individuals were married and, you know, they shared a life together, shared a lot together, you know, made children together. And, and there's there's such a uh, overlapping uh, eventually. But um, I'd say it's, it's also a beautiful thing um, as well. So we'll end off with one more question. And that is, what have you guys learned this year that's maybe a little different or new uh, on your grief journey? We'll start with Darwin. Okay. No problem. I was I was waiting for that prompt. <laughs> um, you know what? I had the opportunity to sit down and really do a deep dive with my mother about her relationship with my dad and how they got started. And it's one of those things where I found out that, well, my dad wasn't a bad man by any means. He never cheated on my mom or 
had any children with anybody or, you know, went out and did anything that was egregious. But I looked at my dad as Superman and he was a person who sort of like did everything. And one of the things that I didn't really know until I sat down and talked with my mom this past January is that she had a lot more to do with the success of their business than I actually gave her credit for. You know, I sort of always thought that he was doing this on her own. But um, as she so eloquently stated it, and uh, Joshua clowns me about this all the time, uh, you know, she went to work and she was working solely to support not only us, but to also put money into the store so we could actually get going. So she's she's made it known in no uncertain terms that, uh, you know, she was a big part of his success. So, you know, I, I learned that while he was Superman in my eyes, there was a lot of things that he needed help with and that he wasn't a perfect person by any means. So, and, and I'm quite sure that as I sit down and talk to some of his friends, because I will be going back home this summer and I'll connect with a couple of people he went to high school with and a couple of people he was in business with. And I really want to sit down with them and really get a totally different perspective from each one of them in terms of who he was as a person. That's very interesting. Yeah, it's um, even even some things that might not be, you know, totally comfortable for you, you know, but you're still open to engaging those and, and you know, maybe learning more about your father to kind of create this well-rounded memory. Is that something uh, that's kind of like what you're doing? Yeah, but because, I, you know, I tell people, you know, and, and just listening to and sort of relating to Joshua's story. Joshua's got an, an overall, overall a well-roundedness of what his father was like because his father died a little bit. What well, you know, Joshua's an adult. I was just a teen. You know, I was in. Excuse me, I was just ten years old. I wasn't even. I wasn't even a teen. So I was literally engaged in just things that kids want. You know, Dad, let's hang out. Buy me some candy. Let's go get some ice cream. Let's do kid type things. I never had conversations with him when I was an adult. We never had arguments, never had disagreements. There was really no set of instructions in terms of, from a teenage standpoint, how I should live my life and certain things I should be thinking about. So all those types of things I miss. And when I talk to other people, specifically people that are not his siblings, because, well, being an only child, I've found out when you talk to anybody's siblings, they all have a skewed perspective on what they think things were like. But as I talk to people that I'm not related to, um, I get a different perspective on who he was as a person and what he was like. And that, to me, is, is sort of a neat thing. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's a, and it's a refreshing uh, thing. And it's, you know, it's kind of like a new thing as well, like a new memory, you know, like someone, you, you know, who knew your father back in the day and they say, oh, Darwin, hey, you know, well, your dad was kind of like this. And you're like, what? I didn't know that. It, it, it adds another layer, adds a little bit more meaning and also kind of progression. Because like you said, you know, you missed a lot of the time where your dad's not Superman. Like, like, like when you're young, you know, he's Superman, you can do no wrong, idealized version of your father. And then just looking at my own teenage years, like it ends right, up like, right. oh man, this sucks. Life sucks. <laughs> I hate my parents, whatever, whatever. But you know, you end up, those are phases and you learn through a lot of those. Um, and that's an interesting, cause it always, it, it kind of connects back to that continuing bond ideology of like, you kind of feeling the pieces and then 
in the puzzle of trying to kind of give yourself a framework of, of who your father was. I think it's beautiful. I think it's beautiful. Joshua, we have the same question for you. It's actually really interesting because, yeah, the more you ask people, the more, and you have to like directly ask them and like further the conversation to actually get some extra stories that you haven't heard. And uh, so I was asking my mom one day just about my father and who he was and, you know, some of the memories that she's had. And so the one thing she was talking about was, you know, like she always brings up his drinking because he, has a, he had a drinking problem and that was a lot of the anger was coming from and a lot of the abuse in the home was because uh, he just couldn't kick that, you know, addiction. But uh, the one thing that she mentioned to me that I was really sa very sad over actually was him and his dad didn't have a close relationship growing up. His, his mom um, basically divorced his dad and basically didn't have much to do with each other. So he, was, he never really had a father figure in his life like I think he wanted to. Um, and his father drank and he was an alcoholic. And so anyway, she tells me the story of, they, of them reconnecting uh, when I was a child. And he would come over and when they would come over, all they would do would be drinking in the house to late hours. And he, even though he had work, um, he would be too sick um, to even go in. So he would get my mom to call into work to say he wasn't feeling well. But then like I look at that and I said, oh, my God, like he he was drinking to almost have a like a relationship with his father like that was what their relationship was based on. It made me so sad that, you know, he was longing for something, you know, like just love from his dad. And the way he went about doing it is by drinking. And so I can understand a little bit more of why he drank. And I'm guessing he would have probably had that mentality through like growing up, like seeing his dad like that and wanting to be closer to his dad and, and picking up that habit. One reason would be to almost have a bond with them in a way because like you drinking that's one of like his pastimes it's like like a basketball player well his son will play basketball to try to like you know make him proud of him in one way or another you pick up like the, the people that we love we sometimes pick up their habits and so for me it was to say it was just it was completely it was shocking but i could understand so i felt so much emotion about like who he would have been in that moment like the sadness of just longing for his father to love him and and so they were just getting drunk and that was his only way of, of getting that in a way um and so you know I, I just i feel some you know i guess sympathy for what my dad's childhood would have been like to need to do that yeah that's a great point and and we thank you for sharing that and it's interesting as an adult as a 34 year old adult i can look back and um have a little more empathy and sympathy for my parents you know it was it's not easy. It's tough. It's life. You know, you're doing things, you're, you're going about your way. And obviously, you know, those individuals also have some things that they need to deal with and recover with and, and comfort. You know, you find comfort in, in those type of things, whether they're negative or positive. It's just a matter of that's, that's you know, comforting for them. But yeah, but but for myself, you know, looking back at, you know, my parents and all that, it's, it's you know, again, I'm a little easier on them, you know, whereas like, when I was a kid, it's like, well, they should know they're the authorities. They are the people taking care of me, whatever it is. Um, but then you just realize, you know, people are people. So, but I have a question for you, Joshua, and I don't know if this is something that you're going to ask, Sean, but this goes back sort of to what you were asking about um, the present. And I guess you were asking if we were going to go back and tell our 10-year-old or our earlier self uh, something about that. But my question to, to Joshua is this. 
I know, and I don't know if, if your listeners know, but I know that in our conversations, you've told me that you and your father were in the process of reconnecting when he died. So my question for you specifically is, where do you think, given what you've just, what you've just stated about your dad, where do you think your relationship with your father would be if he were still alive today? I think it'd be, it'd be good, but who I am wouldn't be where I am. I would be less than I, who I am today is the best way to put it. Because when I was with him, I was like that child, you know, like that has his father. And so that's where my identity was at that time. And I would have still maintained that identity as I move forward in life. And I probably wouldn't be in university, I would be an elementary school teacher and, you know, probably have kids and, you know, uh, you know, have a job somewhere. And so my, the meaning of my life wouldn't have been there. Yeah, I have my father and I feel like a son for, you know, one of the first times, but I wouldn't be who I am today. Okay. And so I think I'd be less than if he didn't die. And it sounds weird, but it's, it's his death was probably the most meaningful gift he ever gave me for me to find out who I am as a person and what I can be in this world. And I think, you know, that's why I love what grief can do to some people because I, I, I hear it all the time. And for me, uh, I, I see it in my life. And I'm so grateful every moment that when I look at who I am in the mirror and I can tell myself, I love my, you know, I love you and you're doing amazing and actually mean it, that I know my dad was a part of that. You know, like his death was a part of it. Without my father dying, this wouldn't have happened, you know? So right. like my whole journey of me loving where I am is because, you know, because of the gift that he gave me of uh, self-reflection through the, the grief process. Okay, thanks. I didn't mean to jump in on your interview there, uh, Sean, but I just no, had that no, burning please. question. It only helps. And yeah, I'm sure a lot of other people had that question. It's a very interesting one. So one final thought, one final thought that we wanted to ask you guys, the question I wanted to ask you guys, if you could say one thing to your father, his father's day, if you could say one thing, speak one thing, you know, give a feeling, uh, what would it be? We'll start with, we'll start with you, Darwin. Okay. Well, I say this all the time out loud, but I, I would just simply tell him that I love him and I miss him dearly. And now that he's been reunited with his brother, I, I would almost like to be a fly on the wall to find out what kind of conversations they're having and how they're catching up since, uh, well, my uncle died, what, last year, um, just after Father's Day. But I, I'd like to know what kind of conversations they would be having. But I've learned a lot about him and I've learned a lot through him, even though he isn't physically here, you know, and I would almost be concerned or really interested to know what he thought about me, uh, you know, sort of watching me grow up and become the person that I've become. Yeah, that'd be super interesting. Get having that conversation. Maybe someday you can have it in a dream. Maybe we can will that. Imagine that. Um, Joshua, how about you? The same question. If you could um, convey a message to your father, what, one thing you wanted to say. Same as Darwin. You know, I, I tell him I loved him and I appreciate all the work that he did do for the family, despite sort of the way he did it. You know, I appreciate sort of, you know, that passion to, to work and stuff. And, and I would say that I forgive him for any of the... Uh, I guess the the hard times that I know that he probably would regret looking at back at those moments uh, because it was his life wasn't full of love at though in those times. And then um, I would say, you know, don't be uh, don't be shy in my dreams. Come back some more. Come back in some more often. 
Yeah, I love that. I love that. It's, um, you know, opening that door, you know, even just saying, even just saying that, uh, you know, a lot of people don't have that thought or hope or, or idea in their brain to, to, to ask a question of their loved one. And it's okay to do that, you know, and, and I think so, you know, I think it's something that's positive and it's something that, you know, it's in your heart. And uh, so, yeah, um, we'll finish this episode up. But Darwin, want to thank you as always. Um, the work you're doing is, is super important and it's courageous to share your grief and your journey with others on a podcast. You know, and, you know, you talk about le lasting kind of legacy and talk about the gift uh, of uh, when you look at the good things that, you know, have come from going through your grief and learning about grief and experiencing all these things. And and right now, you know, you're, you're t helping others. You're able to kind of share your message and people are listening to your episode and hopefully they're getting that type of peace and, and also um, they're getting that type of understanding and they're asking those questions. I think that's the big one is that they're ask, asking the questions in their own life. Thanks for, thanks for having me. Um, I do appreciate it, man. And um, I guess this is the second year we've done this. So I'll look forward to having this, a similar conversation um, in June of 2019. Yeah, this is becoming a tradition. Um, Joshua, thank you. Um, again, you know, it's understated, you know, you, you have, we're on the podcast all the time and you share so much, but it's, it's, it's very courageous and it's courage and, and it's tough. It's tough going back and, and sometimes looking at some of these things and, and then now sharing it on a podcast with other people. But, you know, again, that's, that's why I enjoy working with you. And that's why uh, I'm sure the listeners enjoy this podcast is because it's real. It's authentic. You know, it's okay to cry and it's okay to feel these emotions and it's okay to kind of talk about these things. And, and, you know, when these, special occasions come up like Father's Day, you know, feel it. So, uh, you know, if this has uh, been a tough time for you, if you've lost a father uh, recently, and, and if this is a very emotional time for you, I uh, encourage you to open up, reach out, speak to individuals, talk to people, talk to us. You can email Josh, email Darwin. Um, and if you know someone who's lost a father recently, you know, please reach out to them, speak to them. I'm sure this is a really tough time for them. And just a simple word, uh, just a simple, hey, I'm here for you, uh, means a lot, means a lot to people. It's something you can maybe take from this podcast and be feel free to kind of ask the same questions, ask similar questions to your to those individuals, you know, that you care about who've lost fathers. You know, you'd be surprised at how that person reacts. You know, you might get a very emotional reaction, you know, but I imagine there'd be some relief as well in there. And I imagine they don't get those type of questions very often. So... This is a very interesting holiday, but, uh, you know, it, it's something that you can definitely uh, speak to individuals in your life about if they are struggling with it. So we're going to wrap up our podcast. Please check out our stuff at griefdreams.ca for more information. If you have any questions or comments, uh, you can check us out on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, Spotify now, and lots of other places. Check us out on Instagram, at Grief Dreams. Uh, we're also on Twitter, at Grief Dreams. And check out Darwin's stuff. Uh, it's, uh, his podcast is called Dealing With My Grief. You can hit, up up, him, hit him up on iTunes. And also, honestly, send him an email out. He'll respond. He's very good with that. Uh, so, yeah, we always like to end our podcast with love and gratitude from us to you.
translator in English. And questions? I have introduced myself. You have introduced yourself. This is a very good conversation. <laughs>